Met someone walking into the stadium who listens to the pod, by the way. Really? How'd mm-hmm. that go? Uh, it was good. Didn't catch their name, but uh, said they listened to the pod and they uh, appreciate it whenever we do get around to doing it. We've got a lot of life going on. Yeah, we haven't been doing it as much lately because we're both so busy. And they said, that's fine. Whenever you get to it. Which is the sign of a good, healthy podcast that we actually have a real life on both ends, you know? That we are underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Alex Gracken, he's Grant Hirschberger, and Minnesota United are a playoff team once again. Never a doubt in mind. I mean, four years in a row, which is the longest active streak, apparently. Or, no, in no, the West, sorry. I believe. Sure. Yeah. yeah. All the all the asterisks available, <laughs> active in the West, whatever. But but all things aside, right? Four in a row, not too shabby. Yeah, not too. Sh- I mean, obviously, right? Yeah, we're the only team in the West to make it four years in a row, and we're one of two teams from last year to make it. Us and RSL are the only teams who made it this year or last year and this year, which is kind of interesting. But I also think even in that example is is obviously like the next question that comes next is like, right, but like, what are you doing with it, right? And it goes to kind of what we said a lot. I feel like, I'm, okay, I, hold up. Let me just hold up because I'm not going to dive directly into negativity. Yes. Dive yes. right into the end. Yeah. Nope. You're right. We are, we are the uh, one of the only team in the West to make it four years in a row. We uh, had a good showing on... On the weekend, and and Alex was about to make a six foot dive into a four foot pool. No, no, no. So it's great. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling? How did you feel about the match? You watched from home. I was there. How did it look on TV? Well, so for what it's worth, I was actually golfing during the actual game, and um, you know, no lie, like the entire time I was golfing, I was thinking about the game. Like, I I hope we make it into the playoffs, and avoided social media i texted all the relevant friends who normally text me about the game like hey please don't say anything about the game got home uh hannah and i sat down and i was like i need to watch the game right now immediately watch the game and i mean that's the team we've been looking for the whole time right like that's it i i think it wasn't a perfect game mm-hmm. uh and the the um, you know, whatever score, the tracker of opportunities, whatever you talk about, yep. will show that. But, like, we had a lot of nice interplay. We had a, nice, uh, a lot of nice opportunities. Um, Vancouver is not an elite team in the West, but, like, they're not bad. And I mm-hmm. also think we just looked better. We looked a lot better. Yeah, the the thing that you're talking about is that GameFlow account on Game Twitter. GameFlow. They, they release a, kind of that graph which eat with each match um, where they show the possession value difference. 
mm-hmm. it's like it takes into account like the like the value of the possessions, like how dangerous it was. Not necessarily expected goals. That's part of it, I think, but it's also just like how dangerous your possession was. Um, and if you look at it, like Vancouver had clearly the better possession. Our the possession numbers were pretty even. Um, I want to say it was like fifty one percent in favor of Vancouver. Um, so pretty even, but I think when you look at, you know, at least as far as that graph is concerned, and I think it felt that way, that they had the better of the possession. We made, we took advantage of our opportunities um, and made made some of our own, you know, the Ray pushing, pushing their, uh, in, in their offensive, sorry, pushing in our offensive third um, to turn the ball over and then Franco taking the space and, and getting a good shot on goal. Like, that's what you need to do. Um, and you know, the last goal may be a little fortunate on the bounce, but still some good play leading up to it. Other than that, I don't think we had a lot of opportunities that really just didn't do well on. Um, and that's what you need, you know. I don't think it was like a a super convincing performance in that sense, in the in sense that like the stats that we're talking about there, but also like that's kind of just the the theme of this year, right? There's not a team that feels like unbeatable or like you like very few weeks do you come in and just beat someone like or I should say very few teams are consistently just pounding anyone you know so it really is you just got to do what you got to do to get in there and win and whatever it ends up being you take it because there's almost and I've heard this debate a lot there may there maybe is too much parity in the league this year well I think also like I don't know I don't I don't you can make your own opinion about too much parity, but like you have to win the games that you can Mm -hmm. and that's great. And then also like, this is what you want to see out of our team. And I try not to make too many excuses, but like we had a lot of players out due to injury or due to yellow card accumulation, which Adrian Heath addressed. And like, yeah, I, I mean, we had a lot of silly yellow card accumulations, right? But you see things like a guy, Franco Fragapane, who's kind of been inconsistent. You know, his lows have been a little low. His highs have been, you know, one of the more influential players on the team. And that goal to start the game, boom, game changer. Mm-hmm. You know, we love a good cliche here at the Dummy Run Podcast, and goals change games. Like, that first goal totally had a ripple effect to the rest of the game, where we're on the front foot and we're pushing still, which you and I have talked about, right? Adrian Heath sometimes has questionable um, tactics when it comes to playing in the lead, but Mm -hmm. like we still pushed. I really liked how this game saw itself go, which was we got the first goal and we didn't let up. We didn't just stop the pressure. We kept going. We didn't, bunker back or anything like that and uh you know it was it was fun to watch mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i'm looking at i'm looking at some of the stats here we had 0.95 expected goals to their 0.48 so while they had kind of some day a possession being you know a lot of possession in our half i think we would say um they didn't really get a lot of shots off or a little a lot their expected goals did not go up they only got 12 shots to our 16. They didn't have any big chances. Um, our passing was more accurate. We did commit more fouls. But other than that, I mean, we had them beat on most things. So 
it was a good game, and that's all you can do. I think, yeah, it could have been a little prettier here and there, but again, I just don't think this is a year, at least this team, I don't think the goal always needs to be go out there and have this textbook performance because now we're in the playoffs, and literally anything can happen. You know, I don't think any of the teams right now look particularly dangerous, and I wouldn't, I definitely would not rank them, you know, in, in the order that they're in right now in terms of the standing, I would not rank them that way in terms of teams I want to play the least, if that makes sense. There are For teams sure. I think that I'm more scared of who are lower down the table than like LAFC or LA Galaxy. I don't know what you want me to say to that. <laughs> I agree. I, you know, whatever. So that's good, right? Those are the positives. What Those are, are the positives. What are the negatives? Well, can I, can I pile on the positives? Keep, uh, let's go positive all day long because... I mean, according to Major League Soccer, which counts secondary assists, so, you know, the assist before the assist, they count that as an assist. Uh, I think, you know, us Minnesotans would call that a hockey assist. Major League Soccer tracked Minnesota United and John Marthaler. Is that, I, mean, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he noted today, or yesterday actually, that. Emmanuel Reynoso was the only player in Major League Soccer to reach double digits in goals, assists, and yellow cards, which many people were quick to say that it's the Gordie Howe hat trick, you know, a goal, an assist, and a penalty, right? Uh, I love that. That's incredible. Double digits, goal, assists, and yellow cards, that's my number fucking 10, you know? See, I hate it, and I tweeted this Uh, out earlier. Because you don't like fun. He has missed how many games? He missed three games this year due to yellow card accumulation? Or was it just the two? Because he got the five and then he got the three. So it was just two. It was just two games that he missed. We lost both of them. And so that is, let's say that is six points right there. Another six points would have gotten us up into third place. Can I Can I make a point? Unjokingly, yeah. So seriously, I, mean, I think as a number ten, sometimes you do have to just make your space known and like, okay, he's one of the most fouled players in the league. Is he statistically speaking? I think still yes, yes. I do. Th- I I can look it up as 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 I babble and talk, but like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna foul Ray. He's gonna hit you right back. You know, I I love the chippiness. I love the um, aggression out of him. But there are no other players who have the type of numbers he have who have the same money yellow cards. Are you telling me that people just, like, aren't fouling Hani Mukhtar because they're just like, oh, we just only follow Reynoso? Well, they're fouling. I'm sure he's close. You know, they're probably fouling Mukhtar for sure. But, like, I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. Yeah. I just think I hear it, right? I hear you. I hear everyone. Yes, I get it. Like, he is fouled a lot. They specifically seem to follow him because he's the type of player who wants to be on the ball. Like, I think Azelarian might be a, an interesting stat to look up how often he gets fouled. Carlos Heel, those types of players. Hani and the amount, the amount of time that Reynoso, you know, is dribbling the ball. You know, he's right. a, he is a big 1v1 dribbler frequently. So that's fine, but then you can't foul people when or you can't get yellow cards. If you want to be a, a some, if if his style of play wants to be someone who carries the ball 
and beats people and makes dangerous runs. Love that. That's obviously the player he is. But then you can't just get yellow cards every time someone follows you because missing two-plus games a year is not going to help us. Like, six points in a year like this, again, we would be third place above Dallas. A couple home playoff games. Those things matter. And I think especially when it's how many times he gets a yellow card for things after the whistle's already gone. He's, like, throwing the ball or he's shoving someone or he's yelling at the ref about a foul. I get it. I get what you're saying. He gets fouled a lot, and that's frustrating. But when you're that important to your team, I just feel like you have to keep your head screwed on a little tighter than that. For sure. I don't like the, the, the fouls that would be, like, yelling at the ref. You made a good point. Counterpoint. Uh, if you're going to mess with me, I'm going to mess with you. You know? And I think those ripple effects... I, but it's not hockey, I, I right? joke, You're not like I joke a, a lot. fist fight. You're just like pushing someone on the ground. That's not realistically going to keep them. From it's doing the hockey. Again. It's the soccer equivalent of a hockey fist fight. It's it's two people yeah. faking uh uh you know <laughs> fisticuffs <laughs> and they're both falling over. Uh, but all all jokes aside, realistically, it's like you go into the playoffs knowing that like okay, if you're gonna kick my ankles over and over and over again, I am going to foul you back. And, like, look, during the regular season, there's a tolerance for it. I I think we've had limited postseasons to analyze how Ray reacts there, and hopefully it's tactical, like, you know, dial it back in the, in the playoffs. Right. But if you're going to get some fouls in, do it in the regular season. Well, or have someone else do it. Yeah. Have Will Trapp go over there and break the guy's ankle. Like... You're the most valuable. Well, he's already getting one back, dumb yellow card every game. Going so. to the going back to the hockey youth, like have an enforcer out there. Have Trap go over there. Have Ariaga go over there. Have I don't know someone, but don't. I let, do think Ariaga be the one to like pushing people and getting yellow cards. Yeah, I think I I think Ariaga is the perfect future enforcer. I think he has a lot of maturing to do, but he's like what six foot three or something. Like yeah. Yeah. He is intimidating, you know. With He's still kind of valuable. And... I would say just the, the least valuable person on the field should be the one going and getting a yellow card. Sure, sure. So, who is that, Alex? I think it's just the person with the best replacement. That's why I said Trap. Yeah, you don't want to say that out loud. He's the one who has, I mean, Trap, Rosales, Ariaga, yeah. Gonzalez. Like, any one of those center defensive midfielders, I think, should be the one to go because we have the best replacement behind them. Yeah, but we got sense. off on a tangent there a little bit. So get us back. So get us back. I mean, where where we started and where I where I I've, I avoided diving into directly into the you know in the first minute of the podcast because I want to be I want to try and be positive because it is good. We made the playoffs. That's good. No one else has done this this often in the West. There's something we said about that, but I think there's also something we said about our you know the the thing we've talked on several times. Just like we're right, but if you make the playoffs every year and go out the first you know the first game. I would almost rather only make it every three years and be more likely to make it to the final. You know, like it's that kind of question of like, is just prolonged, you know, above mediocrity better than highs and lows? And I would say no. I would rather have more highs and lows than Sporting Kansas City is going to come back next year and be very good. This year was a disaster for a lot of reasons, but. Oh, you think? Sporting Kansas City, Seattle, um, you know. Who go down the list? Even some of the people who made it are going are having kind of underwhelming years for them. As my sophomore math teacher would say, Alex, you need to show your work. 
where where do you see Sporting Kansas City suddenly jumping up ahead? Because this year was an, a complete anomaly for them. They are they are a dynasty. Kinda. I, I'm of the opinion that like Major League Soccer it doesn't have a ton of anomalies. Like there there are occasional ones for sure, but like I don't know. Sometimes teams don't invest enough, and you have like. For example, made uh, Sporting Kansas City invested a lot into Alan Polito, and he's mm-hmm. a very talented player, but he's not available. So all of a sudden, all that yeah. DP money is going to a player who yeah. isn't on the field. So and you're I do not think good. they need to give up on him, but he's so he's so good if he's healthy, but he's At he's not point. healthy. Yeah, yeah. He's but, unfortunately I mean, they also had like Gotti the Mexican Kinda. Kevin Molino. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. I don't have anything that I can point to and say like, well, here's why. And I am just talking about narrative. And but still, yeah, look at LAFC, narrative, baby. right? LAFC. They yeah. missed last year. They come back this year and they win the Supporters Shield. And LA Galaxy's coming back too. Yep. You know? LA Galaxy ended up getting all that up into fourth after kind of a slow start. So there's. I just getting back to kind of the point I was trying to make is just that while I am super happy to see us make the playoffs four years in a row, and there's there's not many teams that have done that. And you have to make the playoffs to give yourself a chance to go to the MLS Cup Final. To MLS Cup Final. I still will say I would take less consistency if the highs were higher. You know, that floor-ceiling debate we have with players, that's the same thing with teams too, right? I would take missing the playoffs a year if it meant having a better team the next year. Which I'm sure many people would. And hopefully, you know, hopefully this year we, we start rolling. And we just make it to the playoffs. We're hot. But again, it doesn't excite me that much. I mean, here's what I would say about this year's playoffs specifically is that there's not a dominant team that I'm like, oh, I'm so afraid of that Mm -hmm. team. Like, there's good teams. There's very good teams in the playoffs on both sides of the bracket. But every single team has a little weakness. And that's the beauty of... um, Major League Soccer's playoffs is that's the commonality more often than not. But then also, this year especially, there's weak points in every team that's going to show up in the playoffs. And and I'm still not super enamored with Adrian Heath as like mm-hmm. the long term plan as our coach. But he is not a bad tournament coach. Like he yeah. knows how to get short-term results and all right let's see how it goes right i mean short of uh miraculous or whatever the negative version of miraculous is you know falling apart by our team in the western conference finals in 2019 right like we're in the major league soccer finals in 2019 mm-hmm. like we should have beat the sounders we really should have it was a it was an awful collapse that we had yeah they didn't win that game i will say maybe this makes me a homer i don't care we should have won that game and we lost it they didn't right. win it we lost it yeah yeah i i agree and yeah to your point i mean there's no right way to do it right people have won the supporter shield and won the cup people have gotten in by the skin or the teeth and made it to the final there's no way to do it the only thing you can hope is that you're playing your best soccer as the playoffs start the lineups are favorable and you don't have some type of meltdown. 
And well, you look at like a Seattle, right? They won the Concacaf Champions League, mm-hmm. and then they missed out on the playoffs. Right? Like they've in their entire history, they've never missed the playoffs versus this year, and it's mm-hmm. like it, it's not just a given. It, it's not as easy as snapping your fingers, you know? Right. Which we should clarify. When we were talking about the only team in the West, so active streaks. We now have the act, the longest active streak. Yeah, we already we already clarified that. I just want to make sure. I don't know if we said active, so I just want to make sure. I think knows. I did. I think I was okay. very clear. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, so there's that, right? I think the one, yeah. the one kind of bittersweet thing is, is like making the playoffs four years in a row is great. I just wish it didn't always feel so like Green Bay uh, Packers, right? Exactly, right. So Mike McCarthy esque, um, showing up into the playoffs. We're a good team. We should make a distance. We show up into one or two games, and then we get booted out, and a yeah. different team ends up hoisting the trophy. Yep. But maybe not. Maybe not. You know, we. I don't know that we're playing our best soccer right now, but we finally turned around and, and won a game after not winning a game for something like seven in a row. Um, scored a couple goals. You know, Brent Coleman made the team of the week, which I think was a big, you know, that's great for him. I, I still am frustrated that we didn't ever do anything different. We just tried to ride with him. You know, we didn't ever switch to five in the back or something like that. But so maybe. But also, I think, can we, can we, Talk about that for a second. I mean, hey, we're just wandering at this point, so. Are we just, hey, we don't have a path. No. We're just in a field of daisies, and we're picking, you know, yeah. petals off the off the flowers as we go. So, um, I was talking to Blake, you know, uh, our contributor into mm-hmm. Y Scout, Siam Double Seven, and Blake pointed out a good point because I said, you know, I think Brent Coleman has like pretty good passing. You know, he as a center back, he has some nice passes. Boxall has better completion percentage for safe passes. So it's like short, medium range, not necessarily super progressive. Brent Coleman attempts more and completes more long forward progressive passes. So you'll see those things. But I also think that like and I'm not a huge Coleman fan, but like he is actually settling in pretty nicely defensively. I mean, I think especially against Vancouver, he had some really nice cleanups. He had some nice headers out of danger. Um, is he a Debassi replacement? Absolutely not. But like he's holding his own. And mm-hmm. so I think a discussion we should have is do we need to change the formation that much? Or can Coleman hold his own against the next couple teams that we play against? You know, Dallas, and then hypothetically it'll probably be Austin, LAFC, and then whoever the... It'll probably be Philly or whatever. Actually, it's Major League Soccer, so Philly won't be the one that makes it through. I'm going to make that a prediction, by the way. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Because it's Major League Soccer. It's not going to be Philly. Anyways, so... How do we feel about Coleman as the replacement center back? I mean, at this point, it's too late, right? We're not going to change now. I think I think as long as he doesn't play active... I don't even think we need him to play well. I think as long as he doesn't play bad, it's, it's fine for the most part. And I think that in Vancouver, he played borderline well, and you saw, you know, you saw what that could do for us. So, I, you know, I just wonder if, if the minute Debassi went down, we just said, right... 
we're going to whatever a three back you know three back system. We're gonna do you know DJ and Benitez on the wings or as 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 left wing backs. DJ and, and DJ and uh, Lawrence. No, because Lawrence would be the other third the third center back in this in that if you did a three back system it would be oh if you're Lawrence, three Coleman, back oh got it, got it, got it, got it. if we had just done that and just been like we're just going with it we're not. Even if we, when we, looking back now, you can say that because we lost, you know, we didn't win seven in a, way any, in, a, in a row anyways, might as well have been working towards something that could have made us stronger in the end. Looking back, it's easier to say that. And who knows if it ever would have worked. You know, maybe Lawrence isn't that capable of doing that or maybe whatever, yada, yada. But it just felt a little bit, it just felt a little bit like we didn't, believe in ourselves enough that we could find a different system to make us better and we took the safer bet of just like put bot put Coleman in there and hope he plays better than he usually does um and maybe that's not fair you know maybe maybe the club feels that he is a serviceable replacement for Debassi and now we're going to see that going into the playoffs you know I mean a lot of players play better when they're on performance enhancing drugs so <laughs> oh too soon too soon? Too soon? I don't even know anymore. Is it too soon? Yeah, who knows? How do you Abraham feel about Lincoln DJ joke? these days? No, oh, whatever. Uh, he has stepped up. I'm honestly like super on board with the DJ Taylor train. Mm-hmm. Um, I think defensively, he's looked super, super good. He really has kind of shaken off the like jitters. And then he's had some really good, you know, um, you know, final third contributions. And so... I like Alan Benitez, and I think that like he can contribute to our team eventually. Um, and, and also, Kamara Lawrence is very good, too, and he's kind of been not flashy, but like making good contributions to the team. But DJ Taylor, um, he had competition, and he stepped up to the occasion, and I'm, I'm really impressed. And honestly, I'm just really proud of him. I, I think he's a good dude, which it always makes it easier cheering for somebody if they're a good dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what he does next because I think he can keep improving. I mean, he's shown that he's had promise this entire season, last season. Um, and I think he's done really, really well for himself. Yeah. Yeah, he really, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I think he's been super solid. I think... I think he's really improved this year from like from when he first started playing to to where he is now. I think, I think if you could watch those, I mean you can, but I think if you were to watch those two games side by side, you realize just how much better he is, and and even just the 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 more kind of mental positioning stuff like he did this last game where there was a a dangerous through ball and he he basically just ignored the ball together and just ran the other player out of bounds and it ended up being a save for DJ Taylor that you wouldn't even. I mean I don't even know if they call it a save at that point. But if if DJ Taylor isn't confident in just putting a body on the guy and you know making the decision to not worry about the ball and and he tries to you know run towards the ball and, and pass it back to to to, uh, to DSC or he tries to clear or something like that, you know that very quickly could have gone wrong. And instead, he just stayed cool, played the player. Dane St. Clair picked it up and we were moving on without hardly even mentioning it during the game. So those little things, I think he's just gotten so much better at. And for not being a particularly big or particularly fast player, I think he finds himself in the right position very often, and does you know does a, a reasonable amount of you know in the offensive third as well. He's got a great shot. His crosses 
have gotten better, I think. I mean, obviously, Alan Benitez, which I don't know. I'd say Benitez, and you said Benitez, I think. I think you're right. I think okay. I said it wrong. Either don't way. call any more attention to it. Just Yeah, either way, he's obviously better in the offensive third, but that's because he's a wingback, and he is terrible defensively. And I forget who was talking. I think it was Jacob, whatever like Jacob guy's name is. Schneider. Schneider, yeah. He was on MLS Today, I think. And he mentioned that he had Sorry, heard... you tried to pretend like you didn't know what his last name was, but like how many last names start with sh? I don't know. Schrader? Sh- Schrader? Yeah. Schweinsteiger? Schweinsteiger. Uh, anyways, he mentioned that he had felt, or he that the club had said that they are like working on Benitez's defensive abilities. And like right now the position's DJ's, they like Benitez, but his defensive ability is very poor. And the way that it was positioned on that, at least the way I took it, maybe this was just an offhand comment, was like, they're not interested in trying to work him into a wing-back system. They need him to be a better left-back. Or right-back, sorry. So uh, that was kind of interesting as well. They're not interested in him being a right-wing either. They want him to be a right-back, and he needs to be better defensively. And DJ Which, Taylor's like, doing really good. So If... Benitez can put that together, I think he'll be really good. I mean, mm-hmm. I think as we've seen, I know this is maybe pseudo hot take, he's better offensively than Metnir was. He's way worse defensively than Metnir was. Oh. And so like yeah. if you if you can get some level of that defensive presence not even the full metonier level because like sometimes i think we take it for granted right how good metonier was that first year i mean he really truly earned that all-star performance mm-hmm. appearance um i don't know i think uh, alan could be good i think mm-hmm. he'd be really good for us and i think both him and dj taylor they're youthful they're energetic they're fast and Kamar Lawrence off the bench or as a starter, either way, it's not a bad player to have. I mean, we've really picked up some good background pieces that have had to step up and contribute. Mm-hmm. But you're not saying that DJ Taylor would beat out Kamar Lawrence for left back, right? I mean, if you want me to say it out loud. Are you really? Come on. Kamar Lawrence, I think, is the best of... I think Kamar Lawrence is better than... Alan Benitez. He's the best out of those three. I think by far. I I think yes, but like maybe it's because his side of the field hasn't been attacked more often, or maybe it's because we haven't brought the ball up on Kamar Lawrence's side as often. Maybe we, we bring it up on the right side more often. Maybe that's why. But like the ball is on DJ Taylor's side more often, over and over and over again, for whatever reason. Kamar Lawrence is, you know, a former MLS All-Star. Like, he's he's a stud player. I don't want to disrespect him, but, like, right now, at this moment, with no disrespect, I don't know. I'm seeing some really good things from DJ Taylor. And that could be me just being a, you know, pedestrian in the sidelines, just watching away drinking my northeast you know yeah. what do i know what do i know we don't know anything we're the dummy run podcast we're run right. by dummies <laughs> um 
Speaking of that, though, the so wait, uh, hold on. But so you do your Kamara Lawrence is your number one fullback on either side. Oh yeah, for sure. I think, okay. and I don't think it's in particular close. And I think honestly, I, even if oh, Adam that's Benitez, my least favorite phrase though. What? And it's not even close. I don't think it is. I think I think I think Kamara. <laughs> I know. Lawrence just is, when people yeah. say that, it's always just like peanut butter is better than jelly, and it's not even close. Okay, great, <laughs> rock and roll, man. Yeah. I think I think so. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, Benitez, okay. even if he gets... Like, he's almost... He would have to get so much better defensively because I think he's so far gone For right sure. now. And also, I don't know that, like, his offensive He could skill, get there. He's just never been asked to do that. I guess so. But, like, I, I get it. He will have to see if he can. Who right. knows? And I don't even know how much of a benefit his offensive skill... Like, it's almost like he's so good offensively, He's he's... The last bit of it is like above and beyond what you would even really need, you know. Like Which you is fascinating he, that you were insinuating or saying that the coaching staff kind of hinted that they don't see him as a right winger. Which, like, I think he would be a pretty dope right winger with defensive. Yeah. He would be a decently defensive right winger. Which we'll all also have to talk about Robin Lude, but. I interrupted you. You were about to say something. Well, no, I was just trying to. I was trying to just get to the point that, like, if we're not going to play him as a left wing back, his offensive ability or right wing back, yeah, right wing back, his offensive ability, it only, it's only useful up to a certain point, and that last whatever part is almost like not really needed. So when you say like mm-hmm. he was a better, he better offensively than Metinair, I agree, but I don't necessarily know that transfers as much onto the field because like. That's not really the way we don't really need that extra little bit because that's not the position he's playing. Which it may be crazy, you know. Look at Kai, Kai Wagner and, and what he can do, but he's also a lot better defensively. Wagner, so. Wagner, Wagner. Sorry, Wagner. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, the last thing I'll say, talking about the right side, I thought Mender Garcia did a lot better. Not even a lot better. I thought Mender Garcia played really well this this last match. Um, he, from what I could tell in the stadium, I felt like he was doing a lot of work defensively, um, which is kind of what we needed out of him. And, um, I have to say, I I would have to watch it back to see how I feel his game was holistically, but there were several times where I remember seeing him come out, um, and, and come back defensively and, and slow down, um, what looked to be, you know, a, a developing counter at the very least. So I'm happy with him. I still think Robin Lude is probably, or no. Robin Lude is still a better um, right wing than he is, but he's also been, you know, once again, we saw what he means to us as the center, you know, in that center defensive midfielder position. Which is interesting because it's like Robin Lude could potentially be our best central midfielder and our best right winger and potentially our best striker. And it's like, where do you see his value the most? I mean, right now it would be hard to argue it's not in center defensive mid, right? I think I think that's true. It's, I think I mean he it's is, just night and day when he's there and when he's not. He's made a significant impact in that position. He can he's shown he can play pretty solid defensive. You know, uh, you know he makes some good tackles. He makes some good uh, movements, and then when he gets the ball. You know, I, in the post-game interview from Adrian Heath, I agree with this. Adrian Heath said something to the effect of, like, he just he doesn't make 
bad choices with his passes. Mm-hmm. Like they're just they're almost always really good, smart passes. Um, so it's it's tough to think like even if we have all of our central midfielders healthy, I don't know. I, I kind of want loot in the yeah. center mid, and like Mender Garcia is an interesting player to me because. And and I'm no professional. I I don't know. Why are you laughing at that? Yeah, we know you're not a professional. We got that yeah, part. Okay, I get it, Alex. <laughs> you don't have to rub it in. You took all the wind out of my sails yeah, at this sorry. point. But like, continue. Yeah, you got but this. like, Medrick Garcia. I I know he's got promise. He just. Sometimes it seems like he's doing a lot of things and I don't always know what he's doing, if that makes sense. He's he's making a lot of movements. He's running around. Does he understand what we're trying to do? Maybe. Maybe I don't understand it. I just... He's an interesting player for me. He's kind of an enigma. And I just... I don't understand it. And I don't know if it's good, if it's bad. I think he's positive. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what do you take of Mender? Well, why don't you feel the same way about him that you felt about Robin Louie when he was having his, his first rough start of, the, of of MLS career? Because I don't think Mender's necessarily having a rough start. Like, I think okay. he's doing well. Like, I think he's doing good things. I guess Robin Lude's runs and his movement was very transparent. Like, it was very... I'm crashing towards the far post or I'm doing, you know, X, Y, and Z to make sure I'm there available for a pass or a shot. And Mender Garcia, through, I won't say it's his fault. I don't know if it's instruction or his own instincts. I don't know what he's supposed to be doing. I don't know what he is doing. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to expect out of him, right? And so I don't want to, I'm not holding that against him. He could be doing exactly what Heath is telling him to do, or he could be doing exactly what, you know, you know, tactically he's supposed to be doing, but I, I don't know. Yeah, he definitely is. I think maybe if, if other things are going well, I would feel more, I would have more like thoughts on him right now. But with, with the injuries we've had and the way some people have been playing, I think I'm just like, he's doing fine. There's no one else we can put out there because Robin Lude has to be in his position that he's in the central defensive midfielder's throwing. So, like, I'm fine with him out there. It, when he and Bongi were both healthy, maybe, you know, maybe there's a, a debate to be had there about who I think should start. Um, and I'd probably have more critique over Mende Garcia. Um, but with Bongi being out, there's not really anyone else who's going to pull up that position. So I think it's, I, don't, I guess maybe I just don't think about it as much. But, I mean, yeah, you know, it's also, it is hard having Robin Lude in, you know, defensive midfield because he's he was scoring about 10 goals a year. You know, he scored 10 in 2020, 9 in 2021, and this year he was already at 6 before he moved him, you know, into the midfield, and now he hasn't scored since. So he was probably on track for a higher scoring year um, than he had back in 2020. So, like, we missed those goals, especially when no one we put out there is picking up that slack. But I just think when you look at what he can do in the midfield in terms of gathering the ball, turning, either making a, a progressive pass that, that not as many people make or just his level of how comfortable he is taking the ball and making those runs, um, 
I think that he's become very hard to move. And I don't know, if, so if Bongi were to come back, you know, they said that he's for sure out through the end of the year. Um, if he gets healthy here in the playoffs, you think he starts pushing for a spot again? I mean, I could see it, but I don't know. I guess it depends. I'm going to have the most boring answer. It, it just depends. On, well, it depends on his health, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We don't know. I, I think he's a player for the future, and you you never want to rush those players into playing time when, like, I think this team, top to bottom, does have some nice depth and can make, you know, things happen, especially when you've got Reynoso in the, you know, on mm-hmm. the field. Um, so if Bongi's healthy, I'd love to see him as a sub. I think he's a future starting winger for us, but, like, I just don't, I don't want to force him into a playing spot when all of a sudden mm-hmm. he gets injured right away, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anything else about that game you want to talk about? I mean, Franco scored. That was good to see. Other than that, I mean, it was it was a good performance. Nothing super stood out. And, I mean, we look ahead at, at, at next week, really. I love the post-game interview from Heath saying that, like, I don't know if it was the game before or two games before, where like Franco made an eight yard pass ahead of himself to to somebody, maybe it was Amaria or whoever, and it was a failure. And it's like Adrian Heath said, you just you have to just shoot those. Yeah. And so then Franco just shot it. Yeah. And it's like that's kind of what we need. I, I think this team has a lot of like playmakers and at some point you need somebody who's just gonna shoot the ball. And Fragapane, for all his, you know, he's had some inconsistency. He's had some up and downs. When he can just shoot the ball, he's probably one of our best finishers. I mean, he really is just put the ball in the back of the net. That was a great low-driven shot, corner angle. Can't ask anything more of that, right? You had options that you could have taken, and he said, nope, I got this. Boom. Nobody stepped to him. Love that. Yeah, that's a really good point. It was, I think, just the last game. It was shocking. I think Loon's Coast to Coast even like posted a screenshot of it and was like, why did you not shoot this? Not only was was he in a good shooting position, the pass was not there. It was never going to make it. And I actually, I think overall our, our confidence in shooting is, is very low right now. Not only in when we take shots, you know, or when, when we rather don't take shots, but even when we take shots... It's like we pick the, the safer option instead of going for something that has like a higher risk, high reward type shot. You know, we, we go for the near post instead of trying to go. Just little things that, that look a little different than when we were really rolling, how we were to approach that. And so much so that in warm-ups last game, we did a new drill. After we got done with the shooting drill, that um, so we do the, whatever, pass it to the top of the 18, then shoot, and then they cross it in and shoot. They did a third one where the the front four took turns shooting from kind of that corner of the 18. And I like to watch warm-ups because I like to believe that it will tell me who's going to play well that game. And I feel 90% confident that I never, I've never seen that warm-up before. And so I think that that is just more proof that the team recognizes that their shooting confidence is low or that they need to be better about taking those shots. And the drill is very specific to the areas that we find ourselves in a lot, which is in that kind of top corner of the 18. So it was interesting to see that drill come into place and then Franco get the opportunity to take the shot like he did last week, take it this time, and then score. 
For the listeners, uh, Alex is always there watching the pregame warm-ups and watching all the pregame drills and will frequently text myself and David Vinge and a variety. Who knows how many people Alex is texting at this point saying, so-and-so looks good. So-and-so is missing a lot of shots, you know? So, I like to think <laughs> I'm more often, it's not very, it's like 51% of the time, it proves to be true. You know, call him, uh, Call him Baskin Robbins because he's got all the scoops, you know. Anyways, all right, all anyways, right. whatever. Should man. we talk about real quick? Let, we got to wrap this up. People got to get to bed. Myself being one of them. Uh, should we talk about our pre-season yes. predictions? Because so, this is bad. Let's do it. So back on February twenty-fifth, before when, when the season started, we gave our top seven and then. 14th place so i want to run through those and then i'm going to put together a spreadsheet that shows how far off we were so like if you had someone in first and they finished in 10th you were whatever you know you were nine spots off um and then right or you'd be 10 spots off you would be nine spots off um if you had someone you didn't list them i'm just going to say you were eight off and then whoever has the higher score will win so i'll post that after the game but let's talk about these wait let's what do we what do we win i don't know We'll win the award that we Loose, never bought. Loser has to buy the winner a beer. Okay, perfect. Okay. Then dude. let's mention who won fantasy, and then let's talk predictions, and then let's wrap this thing up. So Okay, deal. Grant, do you want to start with your predictions for the West? So for the West, I, <laughs> I had Seattle in first, which, no, absolutely, absolutely not. I had Colorado Rapids in second, which, no. Absolutely not. I had the Loons in third, which, not too far off. If Reynoso hadn't gotten those two yellow cards, you would have been dead on. Yeah. Nashville in fourth, which is actually only one spot off where they ended up. LA Galaxy in fifth, which is only one spot off. So flip those two and we're we're looking pretty good. Uh, Portland Timbers in sixth, which in eighth, they were just... Just missing the mark. And then Sporting Kansas City in seventh, which they they, they, they weren't seventh. They no. were not seventh. No. And then, Alex, I'm incredibly ashamed to share with you that I had Austin as my 14th ranked team. And which, they are second. Second. Which we can all acknowledge that the rise from bottom feeder to top-level team was just insane out of Austin. Like, they literally willed themselves to be like, hey, guys, I I feel like they must have had a captain's meeting where they just said, let's stop sucking. And they all were like, oh, we should start winning games. And they all just started winning games. Mm -hmm. And, And that's it. Because they didn't, between last year and this year, they didn't bring that many new players in. They just... All of their playmakers were like, let's start winning. And they started winning. Yeah. Yeah, they were unexpected. I don't think many people would have seen that coming. Um, I also had Seattle in first, which, again, I don't... I mean, they did... I mean, I'm not going to explain my picks. I had Seattle in first. No, I explain it. second. Um, then I had Nashville, Colorado, LA Galaxy. Um, LA Galaxy and Nashville did make it in. But neither of them are where I said they'd be. Portland, I had they missed. I picked Vancouver to be in it. Um, they are in it, but uh, oh no, they're not. Right? 
because we beat them. So they're not in it. They yeah, were close. They're naive. And then I had Dallas in last place, which I don't think I knew that they had Paul Ariola when I said this, or I guess I didn't think about it. I just, yeah, I remember thinking that they only lost players, and I don't think Paul Ariola made. By by the way, it's Ariola because Ariola is a nipple. Right, Paul Ariola. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but You're right. Paul Ariola is no excuse. You know, bringing you for... across the playoff line, <laughs> but he. All right, that's fine. Did I, have, my... did I have more playoff teams in my prediction than you, though? I think I did. Um, One, two, no. three. I had three. We both had three. I just was closer yeah, with my predictions. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, how about Eastern Conference? Alex, do you want to start with yours, or should I start sure. with mine? Yep, I'll start. So I had... Um, I had New England Revolution first, who did Which not make the playoffs at all. Pre- I mean, that was like, let's all just take a pause. We are the Dummy Run Podcast who knows nothing about soccer and we're shit at prediction, predicting things. But like, what a crazy year because the Revs were so good last year. And who would have thought they would just, like every single team that was so good last year just took a massive step back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think it just goes to show like, what happens to you after you have a good year, right? I don't, when I picked this, I definitely did not, or I was not consciously thinking of the people that they lost, both already before the season started and then as the year went on. Um, so, you know, that yeah. is something so, that I think going into the next rest. year, I'm going to try and think more about, you know. Um, I had uh, NYCFC in second, uh, Toronto, Montreal, Philadelphia, Orlando, and Chicago rounding it out, and then Charlotte FC I had in dead last, who they were not in dead last. They nearly made the playoffs in ninth place, but they were in dead ninth. I will say I am very proud of my Montreal pick at fourth. I think that was one that people weren't really talking about, um, which again, with how many I got wrong, big Georgie Mihailovic fan. Yeah, I think that proves I just got lucky more than anything. Um, <laughs> Toronto missed, Chicago missed. Um, but I had one, two, three, four, 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 just four. Not super okay. impressive. Yeah, so I had NYCFC at first, um, which they at least made the playoffs, so I feel good about that. I had Toronto in second, which <laughs> they were second from the last in the East, so maybe that's what my crystal ball was telling me, my Palantir for all you Lord of the Rings nerds. Uh, Philadelphia Union in third, which, okay, so two in the playoffs. New England Revolution, they were 10th, you know, but I wasn't as sold as Alex was, so I feel good about that, at least, (laughs) right? Uh, Chicago Fire in fifth, no, they were 12th, just garbage. Um, Columbus, you know, Mm. massive step backwards, fired Caleb Porter, what are you going to do, right? And then New York Rebels... At, in seventh. So I think I had four. Was that four correct teams? So I'll, I'll take that. That's all right. Mm-hmm. I did have, have FC Cincinnati in 14th, and they made the playoffs. So, yeah. you know, wrong. Very my, my wooden spoon contenders were very wrong. And that's just life, right? You just. I mean, you look, yeah, it. you can look at any of the any of the major people like no one really knows what's happening 
Neither of us had LAFC, though. That was the big one. Neither of us had LAFC making the playoffs, and they won the Supporter Shield. Which is funny because, in my opinion, the most entertaining thing about LAFC making the playoffs is that they signed, um, you know, Gareth Bale and Cellini, and neither of them actually made an impact in their <laughs> in no, their they domination. Got, they were definitely worse after those two players came in. They like, were the back half worse. Of the season was not great. It's it was, like they literally did not of, need those team those players at all on the team. Yeah, I saw a picture of Gareth Bale holding the supporter shield and it just reminded me of like when you have like the group project and like the one kid who didn't <laughs> do anything like gives the presentation at the end, you're like, No, what? He brought the glue sticks and that's yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Way to go, Gareth. Yep. Way to uh, go. All right, so I'll put together a little sheet of that and we'll see who statistically was closer. I love that. Neither love of us that. did great though. All right, um, quick shout out get out of to, here. Yeah. Quick shout out to Michigan Loon, who won the league. Uh, he beat Guy's fantasy game in the final. Um, we still never got a, a, a trophy for the person who won last year, but um, maybe we'll do it this year at some point. Um, so congratulations. Thank you for everyone who played um, and stuck with it towards the end, which I think was most of you all. That was fun. And uh, I don't think we're going to do a, an MLS pick them, but there's the bracket challenge that you can now do, which you just pick once, and that's fun. So, all right, final thing, Grant. We play Monday night in Dallas. You think we win that game? What's your prediction? Yes, because we are crushing it on games that I don't watch. Uh, I will be on the plane flying to Charleston, South Carolina, for a fun little vacay with my boo. Um, so I will not be watching the game until You're leaving afterwards. on a Monday? Yeah, because that's, you know, airfare, baby. That's how it works. All right. You know, Great. Monday, what's, your, Monday, what's your prediction? Listeners, just spam Alex with a bunch of hate because, of course, Monday airfare is absolutely the cheapest. How much so. cheaper than, like... Like know. hundreds of dollars. It, right. it was a okay. significant amount. Yeah, it was okay. a big amount. Okay. Um, us versus Dallas. I know, you know, we won this year, but recent, you know, other years we haven't had great success. I'm not sold on Dallas. I really do think we can mm-hmm. win this one. I think we have the team and the talent to make it to the Western Conference Finals again. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think it might be ugly at times. I think it might be messy at times, but I think we'll do it. I don't know if we'll get farther than the Western Conference Finals, but my prediction, the Cold North Rants, G. Hirsch prediction, is Western Conference Finals for the Loons. What's the score against Dallas? 2-1. to one. Do you think RSL could beat Austin and then we would have a home game? I would love that. RSL right? is a... RSL is like a crazy. They're. they're I think they very well could beat. I would not be. I would not be shocked if they beat. If they beat Austin, they're chaotic. Absolutely chaotic. I would love that. Austin is a team that can beat anyone, and I also think they can lose to anyone. Like I think Austin can just like slip up some weird, weird games. Right. And and we've beaten Austin. Oh yeah. So, either way, it doesn't matter. I think the Loons need to be focused on one game at a time. So I don't care who we play after this. Beat Dallas. That's number one. 
Hmm. I I think we'll have to score at least two goals if we're going to win because I don't think we can keep them from scoring for 90 minutes. Which is why I said two to one. Yeah, I kind of feel two to one is such a safe bet these days, right? I know. And what do you think about Par Paul Ariola? Ariola. <laughs> you know what I have us? I have us one one. Paul Nipple. One one with us winning in PKs. One one winning in PKs. I love that. Yep. Dane St. Clair Bucks. Nipple two goes penalty to the kicks. winner. Dane St. Clair Bucks, two penalty kicks. We get one blocked and end up winning. Okay. There All you right. go. You heard it here first. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe you heard it somewhere else too. Maybe maybe you also heard it somewhere else. <laughs> All right, All man. Right. Let's wrap this thing up. Wrap uh, it. We tried. You know, we did our best. In the end, you be the judge. And we had yellow card accumulation. Oh, you know, yeah. Alex well. was out. I was out. We were just we were struggling to get back into form. We were not having a lot of fun last few games. Now we're in the playoffs, and anything can happen. Anything can happen. Hopefully we talk to you next week. If we lose, it could be months. Months. Years. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never hear from us again if we lose. We'll see. All right. And, and now more than ever, go Loons. Go Loons.